Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. I'm Kevin A.C. Potter's beat writer, Dave Posner, sports editor of the Union Tribune. Uh, we're a day late. Things happen. Let's not talk about it. Let's move on. That's how the Padres feel after last night, Jay. How do you like how I did that? That was pretty good, Kevin. You know, I had I had a function to attend last night uh, to support a charity, which turned out to be good for two reasons. One, it always feels good to support a charity. <laughs> and two, I didn't have to watch the Padre game uh, <laughs> last night. So, um I got in the car. But you missed history. You missed comedy and history. I know. I got. Probably wouldn't have hung out. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I got in the car (laughs) and started, and so turned on the radio, and I heard six to two, and I thought, I don't need to listen to this. And uh, by the time I got home, it was ten to two. Uh, And then by the time I realized that that Ian Kinsler was pitching, it was too late to uh, to turn on the TV. But I, I I mean, it seems like he's now what their second best reliever after Kirby (laughs) Yates. Are are we going to see more of that, Kevin? (laughs) <laughs> um, and remarkably, he's the best hitter at a position. Um, Absolutely, so, and and I guess he was the he was the first pitcher to homer this year, right? <laughs> first pitcher to homer this year, and the first Padres pitcher ever. And I can hardly say it without laughing. <laughs> first Padres pitcher ever to homer in the ninth inning. That's so great. That's going to be Isn't one of those incredible? great trivia <laughs> questions. You know, like forty years from now, who was the uh, who was the first Padre pitcher to homer in the ninth, or who was the first Padre pitcher to homer in the uh, in the 2019 season, and, and people will be guessing all these names, and it'll be Ian Kinsler. So, uh, so it'll be this because it'll be like um, you're being a trivia contest, and it'll be that you know every every question gets harder. That will be the first question in the trivia contest that night. Will be who was the first Padres pitcher to throw a no hitter? Because this will be easy. Everyone will know that. Oh, you're saying there'll be one? <laughs> well, you said 40 years from now, so I'm hedging my bet. Again, you said there will be one. <laughs> So, anyway, yeah, no, that's the kind of, hey, first of all, I'm very thankful when stuff like that happens. Uh, it's a, it's a, makes it uh, fun, right? It makes sports fun. But that was a terrible game, and there's a couple things to talk about uh, out of that sucker. So what, can we, what do you want to talk about out of it, other than the fact that it took like four hours to play nine innings? Nothing, nothing like bringing an American League team in here to do that. Maybe it was just coincidence. but I happen to think that the long-term issue is Joey Lucchese slash starting pitching, but you mentioned, and I just think probably the most immediate thing that comes to people's mind is the bullpen. Now, Carl Edwards, look, that's just, that's just that. He's not, you know. Four runs. Uh, the guy can't throw a strike. Either they're going to fix him or they're not. They got five hundred thousand dollars international bonus pool money for Brad Wick. That's just what it is. Right. Throw that out. True Wingenter, who had thrown three hitless innings, they would have been three perfect innings in three different appearances, if not for a walk. Um, since the last time that he uh, imploded yesterday, gave up the three runs. Now the first uh, hit was like a dinker, but you know, at some point you're saying, "No, Troy, you just got to get out." Uh, and he is not reliably doing so. And I haven't, um, I haven't really gotten under the hood. Here's why. Because, you know, until recently it was like, no, this guy's stuff is good. He's going to figure it out. Like, there's no people, I'm going to believe what everybody's telling me, that this guy's going to be good. Well, I think there has to be questions about that now, as they're trying to build a bullpen that is actually a part of a contender. And Trey Wingetter throws 97, and gosh, seems like he had control of the slider, and it was an effective pitch. Is no longer like this young, promising guy. No, I, I know it's he's one of the real strange cases out there because he seemed like yeah. the guy that when you saw him before, he, uh, you know, that he was going to be someone you could rely on for these next few years. I mean, I I'm always wary of relying on bullpen guys for too long. I mean, it seems like they, you know, guys b- bounce around so because the, because teams lose patience with them and they 
they aren't consistent after a while. But, you know, Wingenter, you know, look, like you said, he throws 97. He's got the, the great slider. and and uh, But all of a sudden, he's he's entered a bunch of games lately where he just hasn't been able to get people out. And I'm sure that, you know, that's just another another one of these question marks going forward. I mean, I, I was a, a couple minutes late to our phone call here today because I wanted to write down all the guys who are in the bullpen right now. And, <laughs> and I, you know, and I've, of course, I have Kinsler at the top of the list. But... Um, <laughs> After him, and I mean, are there any of these guys who can who can be counted on going forward next year? Let's say next year, this team wants to contend. Who can be counted on going forward? So Baez, he's he's pitched pretty well, I think. And people say people that you know that you talk to, uh, not just people like Andy Green that are going to say the best. This kid really has promise. You know, mm-hmm. obviously there's some figuring out about how to pitch and location and, 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 you know, different things, but man, they, they believe he's really good. They also believe Morahone is, is, is very good, whether he's a starter or a reliever, but anyway, go on. So okay. So then we have Edwards and we, you talked about him, who knows, you know, Munoz, I would say he's, he's reliable at this point, but again, he's young. Perdomo, is he a, maybe he's your, could he be your 10th or 11th guy in the, on a pitching staff? I think he's your guy you need, the guy you thought you had in Bob Erlin. Okay. Okay. I think, you know, everybody needs a Luis Perdomo because no matter how good you are, you got to fill some innings. Right. Craig Stammen, free agent after the year. I I think you and I are on the same page with Stammen. I don't think he's had a bad season. It's just his, when he's pitched poorly, it just seems to always come at a time where it you know it, it basically cost a team the game or almost cost the team the game or it, it's in a high leverage situation I think you've written several times this year he's pitched in those situations more than anyone you know he he gave up the runs back to back on Saturday and Sunday and I I texted you you know that's the first time in 23 appearances that he's given up an earned run in back to back appearances because I'm sure everyone was out there saying, "How could you bring in Stam and he just gave up a home run last night?" And the reason is because he doesn't have two bad outings in a row. And of course, then he did. And then you wrote, you texted me right back and said, in his last 20 appearances, his ERA was under one. So it's just those things where he pitches really well, and people don't. I think people don't notice that because when he doesn't, you know, it's a four home run game or it's a, a game tying home run or or. I, I, you know that kind of what's thing, different right? about him, and I feel like I have to say this, Jay, is as and you've said it here, you know, by explaining it, is it's not well. He pitches well when things aren't on the line. Craig Stammen oh, yeah. comes in with the game on the line ninety five percent of the time. Right. So we're just that's just the nature of being a reliever. Hey, pal, you're not getting it done. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, you're getting it done. All right, we don't notice you. <laughs> and and again, that and I don't know. You know, he's also he's also in his mid thirties, and mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what kind of money he's going to want next year. I don't know what the what the market is for him. You know. So here's what we get to on Craig. Right? He wants to stay here. He's that kind of guy where you can believe him. Uh-huh. Now, there will be a market for him, and I think that that is what determines whether he's back around. The Padres, I believe, will like to have him back in some capacity, not the same one he's filled for the last uh, almost going, you know, going on three years, mm-hmm. um, but it'll be like, well, check some other offers, Craig, and here's what we have for you. And here's, you know, what your role will be or what we anticipate your role being. And, you know, I, I believe there's a real good chance that Craig Stammen's back here. Just, but it's, you know, a real good chance that he's not. Okay. And then 
The only other guy we haven't talked about, I mean, Kirby Yates is Kirby Yates. I, nobody's worried about that, is Matt Strom. And there's there's another guy where uh, do you throw this year out and put him in the bullpen next year and just figure, okay, he's gonna if he's just a bullpen guy, he's got it figured out from last year? Or did we see enough worrisome signs this year to show that, you know, maybe you can't count on him all that much next year? He's, he's one of those real wild card type guys to me because, again, he's got – He's obviously got good stuff. He pitched so well last year out of the bullpen and pitched really well at times this year and pitched really poorly at times. In which case, I don't see any chance that they, you know, especially considering it's not like they're they're flush with, uh, you know, that's why we're having this conversation. Right. <laughs> who, who are right. they going to fill this bullpen with? Well, you especially know, with lefties, you can't count on Castillo at this point. Yep. And so I just don't see, you know, you, you even talk about his starts, you know, he had as many quality starts uh, if within one of any of the other starters with anywhere from six to eight fewer starts. Right, um, right. Then put him in the bullpen, and there's been some stretches of just absolute dominance. Um, just no chance that you give up on Matt Strom, though everything you said about the questions is, is valid. And I do think that there comes a point where they say, this is what you are. It's a reliever. It's the mentality. Matt Strom's not bad. Or not, I mean, he's not uh, happy about that, but he you know, channels that and, and becomes uh, you know, a heck of a reliever is what the hope would be. Right, right. I mean, I still think yeah, he has to— didn't the... mention Andres Munoz unless I blacked out for a little bit, which no, happened from time to time. I did, I did mention him, and I just said That's... that he's, he's been okay. very— he's, you, he seems like the guy you can count on. He's been good. Okay. He's also very young. Um, oh, but, no, I remember but, that. But there doesn't. Oh, no, now that. you got it. Now you got it. <laughs> I'm Man, sorry, Jay. I, I'm holding my first cup of coffee right now, which I, is irresponsible of me. I, I thought my uh, memory was, was fading. <laughs> Wait, who, are, who am I talking to again? Uh, I remember now that very clearly that you said that. So, well done, Jay. So, um, anyway, it's just, it there's, there's, clearly, there's clearly question marks, and, and it's it's – that situation we're going forward look there's probably enough talent out there to get to be a good bullpen because we've seen it at times Mm -hmm. but there's just enough inconsistency well way too much inconsistency where you just don't know and it's the you know the old the saying and i think that i've given ben higgins credit for this before is like the first one to say to, to tweet that it would be a lot easier if the relievers would all tell Andy Green before the game whether they're going to be good or bad on that particular night, and it would make a lot make it a lot easier to decide which guy to bring in 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 which situation. But the problem is there's too many guys out there right now where you just don't know what you're going to get. When Kirby Yates comes in, you pretty much know what you're going to get. When Munoz comes in, despite the one bad game, you pretty much know what you're going to get. It's it's a lot of the other guys <clears throat> where there's just enough inconsistency to make it um, a, a little bit shaky going forward. And I don't throw Baez in there because, I mean, he's, he hasn't pitched all that much, and he, he really does look good uh, most of the time when he's out there. And I will say this, and, and it's something that um, there's a little tease about what I'm going to do later for the, for the off day. That everything you just said is true. And then there's the factor that Andy Green and Darren Balsley have to uh, you know figure in every game is, Certain guys that we are, I mean, as, as the guys that follow the team all the time, marginally aware of, but we don't get all the secrets. I'm certainly not aware of, seems like some, certainly not paying attention. 
This guy's simply not available because of health concerns, or I should say in the bullpen, more youth concerns, and so that they don't have health problems. Yeah. Like So, like, every night, there's this bingo board, or however you want to say it, of blocked-out guys. And in addition to, oh, so that means that we're down today to um, Wingenter and Edwards and Strom. Hmm. I wonder which one of those guys we're going to, you know, which Strom we're going to get, which Wingenter we're going to get. Right. Um, and, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a, a, a really very uh, trying situation. Uh, and I put that as just a factor. The fact is there's enough talent there that it could have worked out. Oh, there's no, yeah, there's no question, and and at times it did work out. I mean, there were uh-huh. there were there were times this year where the bullpen was really good, but again, there, it's the inconsistency is uh, is an issue. Yeah. So, speaking of inconsistent, and how's that for a segue? Tuesday night's starter, uh, Eric Lauer, mm-hmm. he's not facing the Dodgers. When, when he faces the Dodgers, we know what we're going to get. When he faces any other team, well, when we when he faces the Rockies, unfortunately, we usually know what. Uh, uh, what we're going to see, but uh, all the other teams, we're not sure, and I, I'm sure he's never pitched against Tampa. But uh, nope. uh, Lauer's been through, you know, and it's been a rough go for him. And you you wrote something uh, that was in today's paper and online today about his about his dad. What what did he have to? I'm curious. What did he have to say? Uh, and, and how were his emotions when he was talking about his dad? Well, you know, I got to give uh, credit to, to Annie Heilbrunn, who, uh, you know, we talked about this, and, and she uh, did the video on this. Uh, and she, you know, talked to him. And I felt like in in watching that interview, it was like, I'm not going to go. I, I, that, that's enough. The Union Tribune has talked to Eric enough about uh, mm-hmm. his, his dead dad. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. so she did a real good job on that. Eric is a stoic guy. And... But a couple times, if you watch this video, um, and then I talked to him afterward uh, to, to just clarify a few things. Even for still a guy, I mean, as if this would surprise anyone. <laughs> I mean, his dad was his coach for a long time. I mean, his dad was 54, Eric's 24. I, golly, I don't know that we can at all know how much it has affected him. The fact is he had a 2.80 ERA. Over the nine starts preceding his father's death, he got the call the day after the start at uh, the Dodgers. That included that nine starts included the two and a third innings of uh, five runs in Colorado. So it's not like I, you know, oh, he was just on our no. I mean, they weren't all real good. He was pretty darn good for two plus months. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, especially the fact that this has clearly been a life rocking. Uh, you know, situation for for a young man uh, no, who was very close to his father. Right. No, I can I can understand that. I mean, I you know, I was basically his father's age when my father died, so I I can't relate to what it must have been like, you know, to be 24. And you know, if my dad had had died at that point, you know, I, it would have been. I mean, it was already devastating when he when right. he died 30 right. years later. But I mean, I can't imagine being that young. And you know, and losing and losing yeah. my dad, and 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 especially someone like Eric, who you said he was his coach for a long time, and they were obviously very close. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think now. that's true. So it's probably, you know, it's probably not fair to talk about how inconsistent he is. If you just look at the numbers, he's been inconsistent. If you factor in right. what he's been through, then you know you can you can draw a little bit more from that and and say that he's he's certainly not someone that the Padres should be writing off. Uh, 
as far as as far as their future. I mean, we've talked before. He, him and Lucchese both seem like sort of four and five type starters. Yeah. Uh, on you know, if you're going to have a really good team, that's where you would want them, uh, sort of lining up in your rotation. Look, both of them have that ability, and actually, the likelihood they're going to give you five innings. Go look at good teams, and you know, there's a bunch of whole whole bunch of four and two thirds and, and five and one third starts by by guys because you have you know your your studs at the top of your rotation right. and, and and that's what Eric Lauer and Joey Lucchese have now like the other day when when Andy Green was talking about you know for a while we had a culture here where five innings was okay and he kind of went off a little bit um it was almost like he's speaking directly to Joey Lucchese and Eric Lauer <laughs> Because that was okay for those guys last year. Uh-huh. They know it's not this year, and he wants to see an, another step. Uh, and both of them have to be better. Joey went four and two-thirds last night through 94 pitches. Um, you know, really struggled with his command, which is a, a repeating issue with him. Uh, Eric Lauer, there's times where, and again, this you know, we're like, well, gosh, how much is he going to really have that instinct? You know, that, that you know, uh, conviction uh, right now, if he's, you know, kind of hurting inside. I don't know, but that's, that was our point. Don't know. But the Eric Lauer, sometimes it's just like, wow, man, he's making all the right pitches in all the right places, which Eric Lauer has to do um, because, you know, it's not great stuff. And then there's times he's not. And I don't know, maybe that's what a four and five starter looks like, Eric, or you know, Jay, but, uh, but, but the Padres got to see more out of these two guys to be comfortable with them as a part of the rotation when they, you know, expect to be good. Right. And which leads me to tomorrow's uh, starter for the, the final game uh, oh. of the homestand again against Tampa and, and Cal Quantrill uh, pitching, coming back after a fantastic start on, on Friday night. I was, uh, I was at that game and, and he ended up going seven innings, five, five hits, five strikeouts, no walks, uh, you know, through 102 pitches, and just looked really good uh, all, just all, all the way around in that, uh, in that game. It wasn't like he was – like I thought he was extraordinarily lucky or anything like that. He was just pitching really well against, you know, a pretty decent lineup, although I know the Rockies haven't played great. But uh, he's, he continues to impress, and I don't have the numbers um, – in front of me, but I, I think it's uh, how many scoreless innings are we? Or it's like three earned runs in thirty innings now, or somewhere in that. Uh, I, three earned that runs sounds, in twenty, maybe twenty three I, earned runs in twenty nine innings. Something. I think it's three and twenty nine. That sounds something right. like and that. The, but he's the, he's been outstanding now for you know five. I think it's five straight starts. Well, I think it's um it's actually oh, no, one of them wasn't you know, a, right, right. One of them wasn't a start, but it was an opener. Uh, Five and two thirds scoreless um, as the you know re- the uh, what's he called he calls it the bulker is that the official word I don't even the know bulker what is, is the guy who anyway this is the bulk of the game right his last five appearances or something like that he's, right he's so been today, really good and looking forward to seeing him you know tomorrow against another against a uh, you know a team that obviously people here don't know most people here don't know a whole lot about and I include myself in that I mean I look at their lineup and there's not a lot of familiar names in there to me but. You know they're seventy and fifty. I think as we tape this, so uh, it's pretty pretty good team. Yeah, ninety wins last year. Didn't make the playoffs. Tough division. It, the thing about Cal Quantrill, there's two things, and it, I'll start with the mentality because that's what we're talking about with Lucchese and uh, Lauer, right? I mean, I've been so impressed. You remember the story I did like a month ago where this guy talked about the chip on his shoulder and all that, and his, he acknowledged it was kind of ridiculous for a guy who went to Stanford, grew up his dad in the major league, yada Absolutely. yada. Yeah. That's how he pitches, and that's how virtually every 
guy. Think about them. And I'm not saying that he will be Verlander, Scherzer, Strasburg. Mm-hmm. That's how those guys pitch. That is awesome. Well, I, I just love it when it, it comes together for a young kid like that. Right. And I, I, you know, I remember the, the one quote we talked about that I loved where he said, I don't care if it's the second inning or the fifth inning or the eighth inning or whatever. You know, my job's to pitch and I go out there and, and pitch. And I know the one term that, that Andy Green has used, I've, I've heard a couple times to describe him <laughs> yeah. as the bulldog, which, you know, no. brings back for those of us old enough, you know, brings back memories to Oral Hershiser, who was, uh, I don't know, I don't know if he was the original Bulldog, but he certainly had the nickname, you know, 31 years ago when he had that amazing season for the Dodgers. So I, I think if, if, you know, if you're, if someone's using that word to describe you around baseball, that seems to be a pretty good, uh, sort of a term of endearment from a, from a manager. And that, that speaks well to Quantrill and what, what he's been able to do. Uh, as a rookie. And now that is not enough. I mean, Ian Kinsler's a bulldog, and he has some balls hit like 400 miles an hour off him last year, or last <laughs> night. Obviously, I'm using hyperbole to explain that that's not enough, but my understanding is that, and from people who know this stuff, uh, both in and out of the organization, his stuff has gotten better. Like, like with confidence, with some mechanical adjustments, his fastball is, well, first of all, his fastball's going where he... Uh, wanted to right. uh, and that wasn't happening before but his change up and his slider are different now and so you know put those two together confidence the bulldog or his three things confidence bulldog and uh, better stuff and heck maybe he was a first round pick uh, you know yeah there was uh, maybe a, that was a good i was gonna say first for, round pick. for a reason right so yeah uh, okay well we won't get into the catching stuff today it's been talked about you wrote a long story about uh francisco mejia today that uh, people can easily check out online. And the bottom line is Mejia is going to be catching more, especially when he keeps hitting like he's hitting and he had a home run. I was going to say, I I did see, I did see the highlight of Kiermaier's catch and it was just fantastic. I mean, not the the first time he's done that. Uh, In fact, he did his greatest catch ever, according to one of the guys in Tampa that I read might've been against Machado in, uh, in Baltimore actually. So go check that out. Uh, I think it was in 2015, maybe. It was very similar to the Mike Trout catch in Baltimore that I that always stands out as one of the, the best catches I've ever seen. Uh, so anyway, Kiermaier was uh, Rob Mejia of yet another uh, hit last night. So uh, anyway, two more against the Rays, and then the Padres and Kevin Acey will be on their way to Philadelphia. And we will, uh, we will talk to you on Friday, which will, I believe will be a paddock day on uh, Friday night in Philadelphia, correct? Yes, after these, uh, what, four guys in a row went on four days rest, that off day allows them to keep Paddock on track. So. R- right, with his usual five days uh, yes. of rest. So uh, we, will see, we will see him, and, and I, would assume, uh, I would assume Lamette and Lucchese on... on Everybody uh, else, uh, again, the off day. Now right. after that, they're going to you know, run into, what, two or two more off days or three more over the rest of the season and we'll we'll see Garrett Richards supposedly back on track uh, Pedro Avila supposedly on track possibly Jacob Nix that'll help yeah. him but uh, for now we'll be seeing the rotation in order yes. right so alright well all Kevin right. we'll talk uh, to you on Friday from, from Philly and uh, until then everyone thanks for joining us thank you thank you